Good morning and welcome PPH family to Easter Sunday. We are gathered here today to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Any friends who are joining us today, I hope you have a blessed time worshipping God with us and listening to His Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for this day where we celebrate your resurrection and victory over sin and death. We praise you for your everlasting love and we are humbled by your enjoying faithfulness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. As we gather to worship, we lift your name on high and celebrate your goodness and exalt you, O Lord. May you be with us as we worship. May, we be, may you be with us as we worship you in our homes and ask for your presence to fill these places. Thank you, Lord. Bless this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
great, you do mighty wonders, Lord. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great, you do mighty wonders, Lord. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You deserve the glory and honor. Lord, we lift our hands to praise you. We exalt your holy Jesus of the glory. And honor, Lord, we lift our hands to praise you and exalt your holy name. For you are great, you do mighty wonders, Lord. There is no one else like you, there is no one else like you. For you are great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You do mighty wonders, Lord. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. To the throne of mercy, where would I kneel at this cross of grace? How great the love, strong the hand that holds us, beautiful, so beautiful. So here.
said to take heart for Jesus has overcome the world as we sing the next song let's remember that our God is everlasting ever faithful and one that has already defeated death and conquered the grave so that we may have eternal life let's proclaim that God has the victory and that he has set his he has set us free with his love Grave the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness 
your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living. could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped out from glory to end my sin and bear my shame the cross has I am forgiven The King of Kings calls me His own Beautiful Savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ My name Sing hallelujah And hallelujah Yeah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love to us. Thank you for your grace given us to us so free. And God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, so that we may have eternal life. Lord, we celebrate your goodness. We thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, as we end this time of worship, Lord, we ask that you continue to remain in this place, in the households, as we listen to your word. Lord, may you speak to each and every one of us through the message you have for us today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Caleb, for leading us in worship this morning. And we want to continue in our worship with what is called the Holy Communion, which was instituted by the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. And it has deep significance and meaning for Christians. For those who acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we participate together. If you have not done that, then we also welcome you to join us in reverence, but uh, you do not need to take off the bread and the cup. Uh, if you have not yet prepared uh, the bread and the wine uh, for this, you might want to pause this playback to do so. Otherwise, let me carry on. The Lord Jesus told us in John chapter 6, verse 47, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And so we eat this bread because it reminds us of his body which was broken on the cross. His hands, his feet were pierced by nails. A crown of thorns was placed on his head and later a spear would pierce his side. And the Lord Jesus suffered and died willingly for the joy that was set before him. And what is this joy? You and I are the joy. People he has saved from our sins and made righteous with God. The wine or the grape juice reminds us of the blood that he willingly shed on the cross, that our sins, though it may be as scarlet or red, might be washed in his blood to become white as snow. And with the shedding of his blood, there is forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let's just take a very short moment now to examine ourselves. Have we been proud? Have we been selfish? We know what is right to do, but we do not do it. That is the definition of sin. So let's come now and call upon the name of the Lord that He might forgive our sins, that by His body broken and blood shed, he would cleanse us from our sins and all righteousness. Just a moment together. So let's take, eat of this bread and drink of this cup together.
Let's pray together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Lord, we thank you that we proclaim your death and today on Easter Sunday morning, we proclaim more than that, we proclaim your resurrection too. And that come what may, we know that we belong to you and we have eternal security in you. Lord, would you imprint this deep into our hearts and our consciousness? The privilege we have of having you pay the price so painfully for our sins. We receive now your grace with gladness, with gratitude in our hearts. And so we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me now continue with uh, the announcements. I mentioned on Good Friday that the staff of our community services center and all the pastors uh, went out on Thursday morning to give fresh groceries to some 73 poor families in Teban Gardens and Pandan Gardens. And you can see some of the pictures here. It was a really joyful time. We've had many calls uh, since then to thank us for this act of love. And it was a very heartwarming exercise. And we intend to continue this uh, weekly. Tomorrow, tomorrow we begin our Monday Bible studies on the book of Hebrews. So please join us. Uh, either you register online or just call us so that we can include you in this video conferencing uh, Bible study. We made a slight change to the sermons over the next two weeks. Um, I would be sharing with you some reflections for this season over the next two Sundays. And then after that, we will start our sermons on Hebrews uh, two weeks later. Wednesday prayer meeting. Um, April 15th, do join us also, video conference, uh, 8 p.m. And we would be focusing on missions this Wednesday and some of our missionaries and the, do and the work that we do overseas. Why bother with Easter in a COVID-19 world? Let me now, with gladness, introduce uh, our speaker this morning, Max Jagannathan. Max was born in Sri Lanka and his family moved to Australia as refugees in the mid-1980s. He was educated in the Australian National University and in the University of Oxford in the UK. Then he worked as a lawyer and then as a political and policy advisor in the Australian National Parliament. Max is now Asia-Pacific Regional Director of Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, RZIM, an organization that addresses how the Christian faith can answer some of the deepest questions of life. So we're very happy to welcome Max to take um, our Easter message. Over to you, Max. Well, good morning. 
Pasir Panjang Hill Brethren Church and a heartfelt and joyous Happy Easter to all of you. Uh, my name is Max Jagannathan. Uh, I'm a speaker with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Uh, and it's such a pleasure for me to be with you all on this wonderful, joyous, exciting Easter morning where we celebrate this incredible event that happened 2,000 years ago that's so relevant for each and every one of us today. I'm so deeply sorry uh, that I couldn't be there in person with you all, uh, and I'm sorry that you couldn't all be together as I'm sure you always love to be. A special welcome uh, and hello to those of you who have been invited, uh, perhaps for the first time, albeit virtually online, uh, to join the Pasir Panjang Hill Brethren uh, service. So if you've been invited along by a friend, uh, if this is your first time logging in, uh, if you're one of those people that just tunes into church or comes to church every Easter or every Christmas, um, as opposed to a regular member of uh, the church, then a very, very special welcome to you. Uh, this is um, a very difficult time um, for a lot of people. Uh, it's an uncertain time. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. And in the midst of all of that, uh, there are good questions, I think, being asked by lots of people, no matter what we believe, if we're Christian or we're not. Uh, and one of those questions, I think, is the question, why bother with Easter? Why bother with God in a COVID-19 world? Why bother with this Jesus that these Christians keep talking about? And so I think there's no better time than Easter morning to be able to talk about that. So I just wanted to share with you a little bit um, about an answer to that question. Why should we bother with Easter at a time like this, a time of such viral uncertainty? Before we start, I just wanted you to open, I would like to invite you to open your Bibles if you have them or your Bible devices, or if you don't have them, that's totally fine. I'm just going to read out of uh, the second part of the Bible, which we Christians call the New Testament. And this is a letter written by one of the early writers, the early Christian writers and thinkers called Paul. Uh, and it's from a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. So it's called Romans. Uh, and so we are in chapter 8 of the book of Romans. And I'm just going to read from verses 31 to 39. Don't worry if you don't have a Bible or you don't know what any of that means. But this is Paul writing to the Romans. But I think also this is very, very relevant for each of us today, no matter what we believe. So here we go. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. Just a handful of verses. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Pretty powerful words, and I think pretty refreshing, but also challenging words for us 
living here in Singapore or for those of you who might be tuning in from outside of Singapore, it doesn't really matter where you are, the onset of COVID-19 has made these words all the more relevant and powerful for every single one of us, whether we like it or not. I used to be a lawyer um, and then I went on to work in politics. And while I worked in politics, I used to watch a TV show that used to be very, very popular. It's still considered one of the best TV shows ever made called The West Wing. And The West Wing was set in a fictional American White House with a fictional American president. And the writer of The West Wing, Aaron Sorkin, he used a number of other American presidents and he squished various characteristics of these presidents together in order to invent this fictional president, Josiah Bartlett. And one thing that Aaron Sorkin took from President John F. Kennedy was a small plaque that JFK had on his desk in the Oval Office. And the plaque said this, your sea is so big and my boat is so small. The sea is so big and my boat is so small. And I think that was a powerful thing coming from a United States president, arguably one of the most powerful people on the planet, for JFK to acknowledge that the sea, the world into which he seeks to do his job, is so big and his boat, even the United States presidency, feels so small by comparison. It feels a bit like that today, I think. I think it's always like that for all of us, but now more than ever, the sea out there, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the turbulence, economic, medical, financial, emotional, social, all of this uncertainty makes the world out there seem so big and makes us seem so, so small. That's been exacerbated, I think, obviously with COVID-19, but recently with many other things, where it was, whether it was 9-11 or the global financial crisis or the protests and political unrest in Hong Kong, uh, the onset of the latest round of the technological revolution, artificial intelligence, all of these things have brought so much uncertainty and so much instability. Some of them great advantage and benefit, but so many what the economists refer to as black swans have become increasingly common. Market disruptions, pandemics, political uncertainty, mental ill health, these things have all been at all-time highs in the last few months and in the last few years. The 21st century hasn't been the clean, new, fresh start buoyed by trouble-free technology that we all hoped it might be and would be. So what does that mean for us now? Well, the viral uncertainty we're experiencing at the moment is obviously the driving force. But just below that, what is becoming increasingly clear is that there are no such, there's no such thing as a black swan anymore. Black swan used to be a term of finance modelers and economists that used to say, there's an unknown event that we weren't expecting that's just come out of nowhere. Well, if we're honest with ourselves, it seems like there are more and more and more of those events. Black swans are increasingly common and chaos seems to be the new normal. The one thing that we know for sure is that there's nothing anymore that we could know for sure. And so what do human beings look for at times like that? Well, there are plenty of things that we all look for. If you're anything like me, there are countless things. But I want to talk about three primary things that humankind, no matter what we believe, we all look for these three things. And they're not Christian desires. They're just desires of the human heart and they pour out of every human heart. The search for stability, the search for help and the search for meaning. When times get tough and uncertainty and turbulence hits us, all people on some level are looking for stability. We're all looking for help and we're all looking for meaning. And in that context, I want to talk a bit about how the Easter story plays into those things and offers us answers to all three of those 
pursuits that are so impossible without what I'm going to talk about now, this Christian message, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he offers each of us today. So first of all, the the search for stability. And Paul, the writer of this passage, he acknowledges this search for stability and how difficult things become when there's no stability. So we see it um, in verses 35 and 36. He's talking about all of these things that separate us from stability, ultimately, that throw us off our game. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, we face death all day. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. And on some level, it might feel like that today, not just because of COVID-19, but because of the economic and financial uncertainty. People are listening to this right now, this message, um, who have lost their jobs or who are struggling with reductions in revenue for business owners or who might be worried about losing their jobs. The supply chains have been affected. The trade systems have been affected. The economic and financial systems have been affected. And as a result of that, We are searching and grasping for stability like we never have before. Now, it's interesting that COVID-19 might have brought this on in a new and explicit way, but this search for stability is not a new search for stability. It's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. From the very first person, the human heart has been looking for stability. Back in the mid-1900s, a sociologist by the name of George Ritzer, he gave a name to an interesting psychological phenomenon. He called it McDonaldization. And he was referring, of course, to kind of the spread and the proliferation of McDonald's fast food restaurants. But what he was talking about more deeply and sociologically was this idea that has really taken hold over the 1960s, 70s and 80s, and now into the 2000s, that humankind has been grasping for more and more and more stability, goods, services, and we've been grasping for them all in easier and more convenient and cost-effective ways. And we want a number of things that he has together packaged up and called McDonaldization. And the four things that we want as we search for stability, the four things that we want that relate to this McDonaldization of our minds and of our hearts are these four things. We are increasingly looking for efficiency, effectiveness, calculability, and control. Efficiency, effectiveness, calculability, and control. We want to be efficient. We want the things that we need in our lives to come quickly and in low cost. We want things also to be effective. We want to be technologically savvy. We want education. We want technology to work for us and make our world and our lives work better. We want calculability, especially in Southeast Asia and across, you know, the subcontinent and continental Asia. We're huge on calculability. We want to know how we can quantify things. We want to see the numbers. We want to assess ourselves. We want to assess our children. We want academic streaming. We want, you know, education with marks. We want tutors that will boost the performance of ourselves and our children. We want performance reviews where we do well at work. We want calculability. And fourthly and finally, we want control. We don't like uncertainty. We don't like when things are turbulent and uncertain. We want rules. We want structures. And perhaps here in Singapore, we want them more than anywhere else. But those four things, effectiveness, efficiency, calculability, and control, those four things are becoming more and more difficult to find given the turbulence of our economic, our financial, our medical, our geographic, and our communication systems. And COVID-19 has revealed those things. It hasn't caused them. It's just revealed them. And as my mentor um, very insightfully said just last week to me, he said, this virus has just brought the fault lines of the human soul 
to the surface. It hasn't created new fault lines. It's just brought those fault lines that have always been there to the surface. And Paul is dealing with this. He knows what people struggle with. He knows that we are struggling with hardship and with famine and with nakedness and with danger and with threats to our stability, our health, our economic well-being, our financial well-being, um, our political certainties. All of these things have been identified way, way back in the Bible as struggles of the human heart. And nothing has changed. So many of our systems now are interdependent on each other. And that's one of the reasons why this virus has caused such uncertainty. If this had happened maybe three or 4,000 years ago, it probably wouldn't have affected anyone beyond a four or five, you know, kilometre radius from where it actually happened. But the movement of people, the movement of information, um, the way that the world has become smaller in so many ways, that's why these new interconnected systems that we have that have been increasingly interconnected since the Second World War, they've brought the fault lines of our souls to the surface. And this virus has just made that explicit. So this search for stability is becoming increasingly difficult. And if you're anything like me, as this virus has hit, we are always grasping for stability from somewhere. The problem is, and the question is, where are you grasping for? Because what we generally tend to do as human beings is to grasp for stability inside the world, inside our own old systems of stability, whether that might be our family, our food supply, our investment portfolio, our level of education. We just try and continue to do the same old things in the same old ways around the crisis and around the chaos. But as we all know, when you try to grab onto something in a ship, when the ship is in a storm, there's no good that comes from that. It doesn't matter how much you hold on. It doesn't matter how strong your anchor is if it's in the ship with you because the whole ship is subject to the storm. In the same way, the whole world today is subject to this uncertainty and instability. So it doesn't really matter what we grab onto in the world or how hard we grab onto it, whether it's toilet paper or groceries or hoarding of this or hoarding of that or continuing our work digitally, or whatever it might be. None of it really matters because it's not going to deal with the stability that's out there. The stability that's out there encapsulates everything in our world. And so we all know instinctively that an anchor is only useful if it's attached to something outside of the storm. For as long as anchors are within the ship, for as long as we are grabbing onto things inside of our own lives and inside of our own closed world and closed systems, we're always going to be exposed to the storms and the turbulence. And that's why the sea is so big and seems so big and our boats seem so small. So this search for stability, if we try and do it in our own strength, it will never work. And maybe you're feeling that a bit right now. What about the search for help? After a while of searching for stability, we begin to reach out. We begin to reach out for help. We reach out to our governments, we reach out to our friends, we reach out to the, the managers of our HDBs and our condos. We want help to get through the instability and the insecurity. And if we go back um, to the beginning of the chapter um, in this book of the Bible, the beginning of Romans, um, we see something interesting. We see that in verse 18, Paul, he understands that there are present sufferings that we need to find some kind of help and rescue from. But he says something very interesting. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, 
in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So what Paul is saying there is that there are two realities that we cannot deny. We are not quite as we should be, and the world is not quite as it should be. There's something broken about our world, as this virus is evidence of, but there's also something internally broken about ourselves, and that's what I was talking about with the fault lines in our soul. It's not just this virus that is the problem, that is the cause of our instability that is the cause of our cry out for help. Even if this virus disappeared tomorrow, we would still need rescue from our brokenness internally. We would still need redemption from our brokenness internally. What ultimately humankind needs is we need some kind of a narrative and a source of redemption from the brokenness out there in the world and from the brokenness inside our own hearts and inside our own lives. That brokenness is twofold. It's outside of ourselves and it's inside of ourselves. Whereas so much of what we try and do when we try and deal with the suffering and struggle, so much of it is just dealing with the struggles out there. It's dealing with the virus. It's dealing with our employment. It's dealing with our family situation. It's dealing with where we live or what we study or how our kids are doing in school. It's all external. And the world has taught us that the way to succeed is by improving the world and improving yourself. So the world does understand that there is something not quite right about us and something not quite right about the world. But its solution is to just work hard to improve the world and work hard to improve ourselves. The problem is, no matter how much we try and do that, we fail. All the markers of human flourishing, even with four or five waves of industrial and technological revolution, all the markers of personal improvement, even with so much self-help, so much education, so much technology, we are now more academically, intellectually, financially and technologically advanced than we have ever been before in human history. And yet all of the markers of human flourishing continue to go backwards and all of the struggles of humankind continue as if they were thousands and thousands of years ago. The need for belonging, the need for help, the need for stability, the need for rescue, the need for hope, the need for meaning, the need for purpose, all of these things continue on as they are. What does that tell us? It tells us that where we have been looking for help has been failing us. And ultimately, we've been looking inside of ourselves. Every single worldview out there, outside of the Christian message, will tell you that this is what you need to do. This is what people need to do. This is the political and economic and psychological and cultural solution to the suffering that we see and the uncertainty that we struggle with. It's only when we understand that our help can't come from within the system. Our help needs to come transcendental. In the same way that an anchor only works if we attach it to something outside of the storm, not just outside of the ship, but outside of the storm. That's what needs to happen. And so we go then finally to our search for meaning. We know we have a search for stability. And when we try to do that in our own strength, we fail. We know we, have, we need to find help. So there is a search for help when we're honest about it. Help with the brokenness of the world and help with the brokenness of ourselves. And we need transcendent help for that. Thirdly and finally then, I think what boils, this all boils down to is a search for meaning, a search for meaning. And Mark Twain helps us out here. He famously said that the two most important days in someone's life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. 
the day you were born and the day you find out why. We look now back into our verse in verses 37 through 39, and we see something incredible. And this is where the real living hope of Easter comes to life, the living hope of this day and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus comes to life. Paul writes this. After talking about all of the instability, all of the struggle, all of the need for rescue, Paul says, is this going to overcome us? Is this going to overpower us? Is this all too much for us? And then he says this. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He's talking about Jesus. And then he writes this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height or depth or anything else in all of creation, none of it will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amazing words. A huge declaration of a rescue mission that's already been completed. And this is what Easter is ultimately about. This is a God that doesn't ignore our suffering. He doesn't ignore our instability. He doesn't pretend like the world can somehow be fixed by human effort or human ingenuity or science or technology or religion or spirituality or philosophy or any of these things. He says, yes, the world is broken. And yes, you and I are broken. But you don't just need help. You don't just need stability. You need rescue. And you need rescue through understanding what the ultimate meaning and purpose for which you were created was. And there's two things that God says we were created for, to be in loving relationship with him and to be in loving relationship with each other. And those two things are so important to human flourishing but so impossible to human beings in our own strength that God literally stepped down into the world as a person, Jesus Christ, went to a cross, took on to himself all of the anxiety, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the brokenness, all of the imperfection and brokenness of the world and all of the imperfection and brokenness of you and me and went to a cross and died to pay the price and pay the penalty and wipe all of those things away. Now, today, we commemorate the resurrection of Jesus. The cross of Jesus Christ is when all of those things happen, when death and sin and guilt and shame were all dealt with by God, bridging the gap between us and him now. The resurrection of Jesus, what we commemorate today, is what affirms the character of Jesus Christ as God himself. It affirms that he was not just a good man sent by God. He wasn't just a good moral teacher. He wasn't just someone that came to teach us good ethical principles and moral frameworks. He was God himself who was raised from the dead by God the Father, Jesus Christ, who now, because he defeated death, having dealt with it on the cross and defeating it through his resurrection, now he lives and you and I have the offer of relationship with him, up close and personal relationship, fulfilling our ultimate purpose. And that's what Paul's talking about. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you and for me on that cross and because of his resurrection, we now have a living hope. That's the difference that the resurrection makes. It brings to life this hope we had. It doesn't just affirm that Jesus is God himself. It brings to life not just Jesus, but it can, offers us the opportunity of bringing each of us to life. My boss Ravi often says, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And that's the offer we have through his resurrection today. There's something that I wasn't quite upfront about when I quoted um, that plaque from JFK on the Oval Office desk. I said that the plaque said, your sea is so big and my boat is so small. 
What the plaque actually says is, oh God, your sea is so big and my boat is so small. doesn't matter how big the storms are or how big the sea seems or how small our boat seems. This is not just a God who is the creator of all of it, who controls all of it, who is sovereign in all of it. He is willing to step into the boat with you. That's the heart of the Easter message. That's the heart of this living hope. God is not giving you ways to get through the COVID-19 crisis. He's not giving you theories on how to keep your job or how to get a better job out of this. He's not giving you strategies on how to navigate the stock market during this time of economic turmoil. He's just saying there are two realities that are more important than all of that. Your brokenness and the world's brokenness. And the answer to both of them is the rescue that came through God himself by Jesus on the cross and ultimately through his resurrection. And he's saying, if you are willing to invite him into your boat, he's willing to step into your boat. And in any storm you encounter after that, if you have Jesus Christ in your boat with you, in your life with you, one of two things is guaranteed to happen. If you reach out to him, God will either calm the storm or he will calm you amidst the storm. We can be upfront and honest about it. We don't need to sugarcoat what's happening as Christians. This is terrible. COVID-19 is a horrible thing. Lockdown is a horrible thing. It's terrible for people to not be able to connect and engage physically and socially with one another. It's terrible for kids not to be at school with their friends. It's terrible for all of our jobs, literally, to be at some risk or in some kind of danger. It's terrible for those who can't even afford lockdown, who don't have running water, who work jobs that require wages to be paid day to day. It's terrible for everyone. But in the midst of all of that, God has promised one thing, to be with us, to redeem us. He's promised us that even COVID-19 cannot separate us from the love of God. No amount of economic instability, no amount of medical instability, no amount of emotional instability, not even death itself can separate you and me from the love of God. All we have to do is say yes to that wonderful offer of relationship that Jesus gives us. That offer of relationship is open to you today. So wherever you are in your walk with God, in your search for him, in your rejection of him perhaps, in your questioning of him, I just want to give you right there wherever you are listening to this and watching this, I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to this offer of relationship, to say yes, Jesus. I want you to come into my heart. I want to make you part of my life. I know it's going to be stormy, but I want you in my boat. I want you to either calm the storm or calm me amidst the storm and help me through it. I know that there's nothing that can separate me from you and your love. And ultimately, that's all I need. That's the ultimate rescue and redemption. Hope, a living hope through the suffering we go through today and a living hope for a future eternally with God where there's no more suffering at all. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer with me. If you'd like to join me, either for the first time or if you just want to reaffirm this and you've already been walking with Jesus, but you want to reaffirm it, please join me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming into this world. I thank you, God, that you came as a person and that you died on a cross. And I thank you that the evidence and the affirmation of that, the exclamation mark, was your resurrection 2,000 years ago that we celebrate today. So amidst this uncertainty and this volatility, I want to acknowledge that the volatility and uncertainty and instability in my heart is not new. It might just be newly more obvious in the middle of this virus. 
but I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Or I ask you to come into my life afresh and anew. I'm willing to walk with you. I still have questions, but I'm willing to say yes to you. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry for rejecting you. I now put you back in the rightful place as the God and the Lord of my life. Walk with me, Lord, and never leave my son. Live in my heart and help me in everything that comes ahead of us and ahead of me to walk honestly and humbly and joyfully with you. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in. My thoughts and my prayers are with uh, all of you at this time and with your families. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and may the Lord continue to bless and protect uh, and draw closer to all of you during this time and beyond. Happy Easter and God bless.